0: there begins to have a longing in your heart. You know what I'm talking about? There's a longing. And boy, I'm telling you, the closer you get to the Lord, the stronger that longing gets until... You know, the Lord is good to us here, and the Lord blesses us here, and I have no complaints for how he treats me here, but there is a longing to go and be with him. When I was younger, when I was a teenager, young adult, uh, oftentimes, you know, I'd hear preachers preach about longing to be with Jesus, longing to go to heaven, and I hate to admit this. Maybe y'all had this same feeling, too. I'd have this little twinge in my heart that was like, you know, yeah, I want to go to heaven, but there's so much I got to experience and so much I need to do, and so many things. I, yeah, I want to go to heaven, but I feel like I'm going to miss out. You know what? I'm not that old jet. I'm only, only mid-40s. I'm not that old yet. but I don't have anything else that I need to experience down here. There is nothing else that I'm looking forward to accomplishing down here. I am happy to serve him as long as he leaves me here, but this world is not my home, and I am looking for and longing for the day that I can go and be with him. I tell you what... It is something we ought to long to be with the Savior. You say, Pastor John, I just, I don't know that I can relate to that. I mean, yeah, heaven's a nice destination after I die, but I really don't have that longing. Let me just ask you, how much time do you spend with the Savior? You know, on average, Americans watch several Hours of television a week. And on average, American Christians spend a total, good dedicated Christians spend a total of about an hour a week reading God's Word. Let me give you a challenge. Just swap those two. Spend about an hour watching television a week and spend several hours in God's word and don't and let me know after about a month of that if that longing hasn't just started burning on the inside of you. I'm telling you what, you need to get close to God and you'll get a longing to be closer and closer and closer to him. This world is not my home. Thank you Brother Dave. Sorry Brother Andrew, I'm not preaching so I had to throw something in there. Amen. <laughs> hey, hard, to, hard to just not preach. I'm telling you, the Bible says like a fire shut up my bones. I just gotta let it go go, but amen. It is good to be in the Lord's house, and we do love Andrew and Anna. We appreciate them, appreciate the work that God has called them to. I appreciate your faithfulness, brother. This has been a long road of training. It's a goal. It's what God called him to do, and 10 years? 10 years. Andrew has been, he has put his life on hold to train, to be able to do what God has called him to do. And brother, I'm telling you what, I admire that faithfulness. I'm telling you what, not even even seeing any reward yet, and yet faithful to train, faithful to serve. Brother Andrew has passed that, and they are on their way to the field, and I'm not going to tell you a whole story. Y'all come and tell us what God's been doing for you and preach for us, brother.
1: Well, good morning. As you said, my name is Andrew. This is my wife, Anna. Um, We love you guys. Thank you so much for allowing us to come back, be a part of VBS. One of the things is we missed, since we've gone into missionary training, we've left on the, the final steps of being ready to go overseas, is we missed being a part of VBS and working with the kids here. That's got a part of our heart. And so we just thank you for the opportunity to come back. But Pastor John already kind of mentioned, I was going to start off by saying, in 2011, I graduated from high school And I, at that point, God had been really working in my life and my testimony is I was not living for the Lord until my last year of high school. God broke me and used my father to show the love that Jesus has for sinners. And that's when my life turned around and I was in love with aviation and the idea of flying airplanes. And I looked at it and said, okay, God, you can use this. And I saw in Papua New Guinea growing up there, aviation was a great tool to see churches planted other people could know the same love that i had just experienced of being lost in sin and jesus just loving so much god loving so much he sent his son that we could come and have a relationship restored and so i said all right i want to become a missionary pilot and i talked to pilots there and they're like just so you know they prepared me it is a 10-year average for guys to go from no training so ready to go overseas as a missionary pilot and in 2011 graduated high school and started off to college between getting an education both bible aviation experience going through missionary training here we are 2021 and we're done with training and that's the one of the greatest announcement for us is that we have finished all the training our organization is actually very excited for us um, We weren't able to share Christmas because of COVID, but I got to sit down with Pastor John over a meal and just kind of share that our organization chooses what country we go to as pilots because um, where the airplane is, where the need is, and my heart was to go to Papua New Guinea, but they told me from the very beginning, you may not go to Papua New Guinea. We will send you where we believe you would fit best and the need is greatest for church planning pilots because if they already have pilots in Papua New Guinea, how can we send you there? when churches are struggling in Indonesia or the Philippines. And so my heart was to go to Papua New Guinea and God's grace and mercy. After a week of a lot of praying and working with leadership, they agreed to send us to Papua New Guinea. And so we're excited to go back. We are asking that you guys would pray with us. We still need to finish raising our support. Um, We've grown a lot. We're at 55 or 56%. So we're over the hump and we're praying God will raise the rest by January 22. So you, We have a big God, and I don't have time to tell you all the story, but the 10 years, God has proven himself faithful to me. I have no doubt he can do it again, and uh, so, yeah, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Acts chapter 12, because I love the story in Acts chapter 12. It is an amazing story of God and his power and his provision, his protection, and it's the story of the Apostle Peter, but... It also is a story of prayer. And that's something that you guys are our first supporters. You are our very first supporting church and anyone that took us on for monthly support. And you guys have been faithfully giving, but I also know that you guys have been faithfully praying for us. And it's been evident because we came before we went into missionary training asking that you'd pray that God would provide what we need to both live and to go through training, but also He prepared our hearts for being ready to go, and that we believe that He has done that. it's because you guys have prayed, and today I wanted to look at a church that also prayed, and you see the power of God just completely, miraculously coming through for Peter the Apostle. So starting in Acts chapter 12, verse 1, I'm going to read the first four verses. It kind of sets the situation that they're dealing with. Verse 1 says this, Now about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hand to vex certain of the church. And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw it please the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to the four quaternias of soldiers to keep him intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. We see a situation that has come up where the Roman authorities have gone and they've already taken one of the close-knit group brothers who walked with Jesus, James. He takes one of the leaders of the church in that day and he kills him. The Roman authority kills this leader of the church And society rejoices. The the Jewish people, the people that should have been the ones that supported the church, are glad and rejoicing that Herod would have done this thing to the church that is now emerging after Christ has already gone back to be with his father. The church is now growing and spreading. And the people in the Jewish culture are rejecting the church. It is a dire situation. When the Roman authorities see that I killed this church leader, Now the society is rejoicing. He thinks to himself, I can grow a better following. I can grow the approval of the society of the world. Let me do it again. Let me take captive of Peter. And so he takes captive of Peter with the intent that I'll hold him for the holidays. The Jewish people, they're pretty religious and traditionalist. They really are involved in their holidays. After the holiday, after this Easter holiday, I'm going to bring Peter in front of the people and give them the opportunity to do what they want with him. And we just saw that after he killed James, they rejoiced. There's no doubt that Peter is on his way to being exiled and or not exiled, cru- or killed for his faith. There's no doubt that his life is coming to an end in this situation. But then look at verse five. This is really amazing. Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. He had a church that was at home who realized the situation. They realized this is not good. This is life and death and there's really no physical way we can get around this. So they did the best the greatest, the most wonderful, most wise thing they could possibly do is they went and they prayed without ceasing for Peter. And what happens next is absolutely amazing. In verse six, all the way through verse 10, we continue to see God reveals his power, displays his power and comes through for the apostle Peter. And when verse six says, and when Herod would have brought him forth the same night, so this is the night before Peter's going to be brought before the Jews and most most certainly would have been put to death. It says this, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and the keeper before the door kept the prison. So he's secured. He's locked up pretty good in there. And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him and a light shined in the prison and he smote Peter. So the angel smote Peter on the side. And raising him up, saying, Arise up quickly. And his chains fell off from his hands. And the angel said unto him, Gird thyself, and bind on thy sandals. So he And so he did. And he saith unto him, Cast thy garments about thee, and follow me. And he went out and followed him. And wist not that it was true, which was done by the angel, but thought he saw a vision. So Peter just woke up. And these crazy things are happening. He's like, is this a vision? Is it true? Verse 10, when they were past the first and second ward, they came unto the iron gates that leadeth unto the city, which opened to them of its own accord. And they went out and passed on through one street, and forthwith the angel departed from him. Guys, this is absolutely miraculous. Power of God. Miracle being done because a church was praying for him. Peter's asleep. The angel smacks him, says, get up. Right away, we see God's power over these chains, iron chains around his wrists just fall off. We see God's power freeing him from the chains. We see God freeing him from the guards. To me, that's more amazing than the chains because The guards, if you read on in verse 19 later on in this chapter, you find out they were killed. They were killed because they let Peter get away. Have you ever seen someone who is desperate for life? Who someone, if they fail to do the specific task that they've been put in hand, they die? Those kind of people don't give up easily. Those kind of people will throw literally every bit of strength and ounce of everything that they have to making sure that task is done well because they are trying to preserve the one thing they hold most dearly is their life. Those guards, it was no surprise that Herod had them killed. That was how it worked. The guards knew this is Rome. We kill people for the fun of it. If you don't do your job, you die. That's how. Those are the rules of the game. They would have known, and yet you see God's power. Peter walked away from men that their lives were depending on them, keeping him bound in chains. And he walks away from them. He walks through this prison that's heavily guarded. This would have been the picture of ultimate bondage. You know, the prisoners sitting in the cell, they could be thinking, well, maybe if I got out of my cell, but then, no, wait, we got to go through another section. And even if we were to get through that section with all of those guards, there still remains the large iron gate, which was a symbol of being completely locked down, no way of escape. And the angel says, follow me. Peter walks behind him. And I think God should have a patent for automatic doors because he's the first one that invented one. Because he walks up and this iron gate that is designed by the Romans, who were no, they were good at what they did. Roman Empire knew how to capture people, how to hold them captive. They designed these prisons and boom, the gate just opens. They didn't have to say anything, they didn't have to do anything. They just walked forward and, of its own accord, it says, the gates just fell open. And verse 11, Peter finally is just trying to wrap his mind around all this has happened. Remember, he was asleep a second ago. He comes in, he says, When Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of surety that the Lord hath sent his angel and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. Peter knew what was going on. He knew he was on his way to dying either by Herod or if he'd go before the Jews, that's not a good thing either but he recognized the power of God and Peter knows the power of God. You have to remember recently he was walking with Jesus and not only did he walk with Jesus, he also knew the stories of his people, the people of Israel through the old Testament where God displays his power to them over and over again to where we see God. He's controlling the world. He breathed and everything was formed He's walking with Jesus. Jesus takes water on his very first miracle and turns it into wine. He goes and he sees people that are completely controlled by demons, that chains can't hold, that they're hurting themselves. They're disgusting. They're in the tombs. And Jesus walks up and he speaks and demons are cast into the swine. He walked with Jesus and he saw paralytic men who had been paralyzed from life just get up and walk at the words of Jesus He saw a storm. Here's a fisherman. And as a pilot, I really resonate with this. There was weather that should have killed him. And Jesus spoke. And not only did the weather go away, it became calm. Physically, physics behind that is absolutely impossible. Peter saw this power and now he's seeing it again right before him. And he recognizes this is God and he is powerful. And this is the most beautiful part, verse 12. And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. The church is still sitting there just praying and praying and praying without ceasing for Peter. Even while God has already delivered him, Peter comes to find Why did this happen? He shows up at this church, this little house with believers in there, and they're praying for him. And this is what I want to kind of talk about and discuss a little bit today. All right, let's take for a second and consider these two things going on here. We have the God of power and we have the church which it's not a building, it's not the house, it's not Mary's house. It was the people, the believers, that were inside that house that makes up the church. And we compare the two, we have this ultimate being that speaks and anything happens. He doesn't even have to speak. He can think or not think. Anything he wants to do, he can do. He created the universe. He has all power. And then you have the church. Where did we come from? We're dirt. We're nothing. We are absolutely nothing. God took dirt, dust from the ground that he made. He made that dirt. He formed it. Even in that, we are still nothing. We're dirt. It was his breath. He breathed into us. And we become life. We become human. We become man. He gives us soul and he makes us good. That's who we are. Without God, we are nothing. And I want to bring up this concept, this idea, though, that they were praying, and that prayer led to the power of God being displayed. And what I want to kind of share is this. We have a God that can do his will. No matter what, he can do anything he wants. He could have saved Peter and disregarded completely. He doesn't need us. He doesn't need me to pray. He doesn't need me to go into missions. Missions follows a very similar parallel in this. He's he's a universal, powerful God. He can do all that he wants. But he chooses to wait. He chooses to involve us out of his compassion and his love. He looks to that church and he says, I have a plan to display my power and my glory to the world. I can do it on my own but I want you to take part in it. So here's what I'm going to do. I am going to wait. I am going to hold back. And when you pray, I'm going to make you a critical, crucial part, a needed part in my plan for Peter to be saved from this prison cell. In Isaiah chapter 37, 21, we see a story of Hezekiah. Well, he's referring back to the story of Hezekiah. in Isaiah what he's describing is Hezekiah was a king of the Jews. He's an Israelite king. He rejected God, walked away from God. The king of Assyria was sent to come and basically punish the Jewish nation. But Isaiah thirty-seven twenty-one goes on to describe because Hezekiah saw the punishment coming, turned, repented came and prayed to God, and this is what Isaiah 37 says about that. Verse 21, Then Isaiah, the son of Amos, sent unto Hezekiah, saying, So Isaiah is saying to Hezekiah, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel. These are the words of God. Not my words. This is what God, all-powerful God, says. Whereas thou hast prayed to me against the king of Assyria. Because you have prayed against the king of Assyria. And beyond the next following verses, it goes through. God reveals his power and his glory. He changes that Assyria was going to come and destroy Israel. Rather, because Hezekiah prayed. That was a crucial part in God's plan. God reveals his power and his glory. And he turns, not only does Assyria not attack the Israelites... But the king of Assyria dies in his own home. He dies with no one even attacking him. He just dies in the place that should have been the safest place for him, the safe place of refuge. You can't hide from God. God went to the place where the king of Assyria was safe, and he destroys him because Hezekiah prayed. When I said missions has a similar parallel, we have to realize something. God is all-powerful. He can do whatever he wants. His desire is that none should perish, that all would have eternal life, okay? And we understand this. I'm hoping Pastor John teaches. I've heard him teach it, so I'm assuming he still does. We know that God is all-powerful. He wants to see the lost saved. Yet, he commands us to go, to be missionaries, to spread his word, and he waits. He could save them, but he waits for us to be a part of the plan that he's doing, Because still, 2,000 years later, there are still people, thousands of people groups across the world that have not heard God's word. And they are waiting for someone to come and tell them. We understand this. But for us, and I had to wrestle with this as like a hero complex. Like, all right, I'm going to go be a missionary. I'm going to be a pilot. I'm going to go save the world spread God's. No. I am nothing. I'm dirt. God can do this. It's my privilege and my opportunity to be a part of that. Because God loves me. He cares for me. He says, Andrew, I want you to be a part of my big plan. Come join me. And out of his grace and mercy, he waits for me to take that step of faith and go and share the gospel. Prayer is the same way. God can do all things without prayer. Yet, he's chosen out of his love and compassion to include us in this process, in this plan of his that says, I'm going to wait for you to come and pray. And when you pray to me and you come to me, I'm going to use you as a needed, necessary part of my plan to see my power, my glory go out. And he does that over and over. And we see it with Hezekiah. We see it with the church and Peter here. And so what I wanted to talk about a little bit as well is how can we take part in this amazing plan that God is orchestrated from the beginning how can we join in because if we don't we are missing out on really our purpose for life we are missing out pastor john mentioned do you not have a hunger and a love for god you're missing out because god wants you to hunger and thirst for him he wants to invite you in to be in relationship with him and then give you the excitement and the amazement of when he uses what your part is in his plan to see his glory go out So we look at how do we become someone that can participate in this act of prayer and join in with God. And there's two things that I'm just going to go over briefly because I think we understand this a lot. The first one is, we need to have a relationship with God. And we know this. If you don't have a relationship with God, you can't be used by him. All right? In Proverbs 15, 29, the Lord is far from the wicked, but he heareth the prayer of the righteous. If we are wicked, we detest him, we're enemies of his. The scripture says we are enemies against God, against goodness. We can't be a part of his plan when we're against him. The other thing is we were talking about in Sunday school this morning was faith. You know, in James, it talks about, hey, you ask, but you do not have faith, so he doesn't give. We are to have faith that God is able and is um has the ability to answer our prayers and give us the desires of our hearts when our hearts long after what He desires for. But we need to have faith in that. And so those are two very important things that I don't wanna skip over, but I also think that we've heard these things before. But what I wanted to share about was another aspect that I've been learning recently that I just think is amazing and honestly something that I fall short in when I pray and when I consider myself, how do I participate in God's plan through prayer? And if you go to Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7, it's really cool. In Hebrews chapter 5, it's talking about Jesus, okay? This verse is referring to Jesus while he is in the flesh. He is 100% man, 100% God. So let's face it. Wickedness, not an issue with Jesus. He has the proper relationship with God, all right? Faith. He has the faith, okay? He's full of faith in his father. He has those things nailed down. But what's interesting is in Hebrews 5 verse 7, it says something that is kind of amazing to me. So who in the days of his flesh, so we're talking about Jesus Christ here, while he was man on earth, when he had offered up prayer and supplication with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death, So this is intense prayer. This is Jesus at some of his most intense time of communicating with the Father. Big, big deal here. He is participating in the plan of God for the redemption of the world. Listen to this. And was heard in that he feared. In other translations, his prayers were heard because he had reverence for the Father. Jesus, Son of God, There were still stipulations on his prayer being heard. It wasn't just he was heard because he was Jesus, he was God. He was heard because he feared. He had reverence for the Father. And this is where I wanted to kind of talk about and kind of point back is when we pray, I am guilty of this so often. I just come and I pray and I say, God, I don't know if you realize this, but um, so Peter was put in jail today. And James was killed yesterday, so it's a bad situation. Can you get him out? Thank you. And that's my prayer. That's the words, I mean, maybe a little different, different situations, you have different words, but it's like this idea that I'm coming, I'm letting God know there's a problem, and I'm asking him for a result. When in reality, God understands the whole situation better than any single person in the situation in Acts. He knew better what was going on than Peter did. Peter was stuck in a prison cell. He didn't know what was going on outside. Herod has no idea what's going on. He's blinded by sin. He has a perspective. He wants to do one thing. The church, they're praying, but they don't know what's going on inside the prison. Yet we have a God and Father who knows what is going in every single one of their hearts. He knows what's going on in their situation. He doesn't need to know that Peter's in prison. He knows. He knows that James was killed. He was with James when James was killed. He knows these things. When we pray, we ought to have reverence. Rather than just asking God for a list of things, first of all, let's come to God in prayer in the way that he wants us to come to him. The disciples recognize that Jesus prayed differently. Right off the bat, they know that this guy has power. And Jesus over and over claims that it's not of me, I do the will of the Father. And he always runs off and has to go pray before they do anything. And when they hear him pray, it sparks the question, Jesus, can you teach us to pray like you do? Because one, it gets results. But two, there's something powerful and different in how he does it. And in Matthew 6, we have the Lord's Prayer. It's Jesus teaching his disciples how we ought to pray and if you look at the Lord's Prayer and what we're gonna do with in closing today is I'm gonna pray for VBS but I'm gonna pray it through the Lord's Prayer because what the Lord's Prayer does is it offers all of those things it gives reverence to God it shows our dependence on him it shows that God is all-powerful it praises him and yes we give our request to God but he knows those rather we come in a heart of worship and glorifying him And my challenge for us, before I go through and do that and close, we have an opportunity to be a part of God's plan through the power of prayer. All right, And he's waiting. He is in his love and mercy has decided that he's going to make us an important part of this. He will withhold his glory and his power and his strength until his children come to be a part of that and pray. And I ask that you guys, as we look to this next week coming up, We have VBS coming up. And I've been on the bus. I've seen the children, the kids in this area. And it's it's just like anyone else in the world. But we need to pray. There are people that are in bondage, held captive by chains and imprisoned. And we need the power of God to set them free. The power of God to come in and open their eyes, be a light like the angel was a light in prison, and be able to bring them out of those chains and walk them to freedom for they can spend eternity with their father who loves them so much. And we can't do it. We we are dirt. Peter recognized this is the power of God. This was not the power of the church. It wasn't the power of the people. It was the power of God that brought him out. And it's the power of God that brings people from darkness into light. We have been given the opportunity and the privilege to be a part of that, but I ask that we would pray and be a part of seeing God's glory go through those who are teaching, those who are interacting with the children, anyone who's partaking in VBS, that God would be putting his power through us. But he's waiting for us to pray for that. He's waiting for us to come to him in a way that glorifies him and honors him. And so I asked I've been praying this way for the last week for VBS and I ask that you guys would consider going through the Lord's Prayer as we're about to in a minute and every day this week consider praying to God with reverence, acknowledging his greatness, his beauty, his power, recognizing our dependence on him and praying that he would come and deliver those in VBS. First of all, he would bring them, but then he would then deliver them from the darkness that they're entrapped in. So I'm going to close and pray. I have this printed out. If you're interested in getting it, then see me. I can probably make a copy or whatever. But otherwise, Matthew chapter 6, 9 all the way down to uh, 14 is the Lord's Prayer. And I ask you to consider reading that today, tomorrow, all the way through Friday and pray for our VBS in the way that Jesus instructed his disciples to pray with reverence, faith, and righteousness. So let's pray. Dear Lord our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We pause to remember your most wonderful name, God. You are the creator of the world, savior of our souls, king above all kings. You spoke and everything was formed from nothing. You breathed and the dust became man. You are our God and we praise you because you are worthy of all praise. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Lord, we know that your will is that all would come to salvation and that none should perish. You called the children to your side when the disciples kept them from you. You desire that this vacation Bible school would bring glory to your name, that these children would be freed from their bondage and live in and through you. You desire that truth would be spoken and that the eyes would be opened. We pray that your will would be done this week here at our Vacation Bible School. Give us this day our daily bread. Lord, we know that we are without without you, we can do nothing. We can produce no fruit. We rely on you and only you to work through us. God, be in us. Give us the words to say as we speak. Give us the actions of love. Give us your heart and your perspective as we interact with these children around us this week. May we truly be ambassadors who represent who you are. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. God, please forgive me for my sin. Please forgive us as a church for our sins against you. O holy and pure God. Cleanse us from wickedness that we may be in unity with you. Help us to forgive others as we recognize the forgiveness you have already given to us. Protect us from holding anything against our brothers and sisters as we work together to proclaim truth this week. Lord, may we forgive and love the children with our entire hearts this week as a testimony to the love that you have for them and that you desire for them. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. God, may you protect myself, my brothers and sisters from falling into sin. Remind us of the results of sin. How it breaks our fellowship with you and cuts us off from our source of power. Remind us that we rely on each other to pray strength and your power into each other. Lord, that you have made us to be interconnected. That, Lord, you would keep us free of temptation and sin. That together we would be united Give us the courage to stand for righteousness and impart to us love to restore the brothers and sisters when they do sin. Please glorify yourself in our lives and use us for your purpose. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
0: Man, thank you, Brother Andrew. appreciate that and never, ever, ever underestimate the power of prayer. We have a tendency as Christians sometimes to be Marthas. We get so busy serving, we forget to spend time at the Savior's feet. And boy, I'm telling you what, without Him, we can do nothing. Thank you, Brother Andrew. Appreciate that. Excellent the way you incorporated the Lord's Prayer. I've never never heard that done where someone took it and actually... uh, used it as the blueprint for their prayer. And I appreciate that, amen. The disciple said, Lord, teach us to pray. And he said, after this manner. So, boy, I tell you what, thank you, Brother Andrew. Appreciate that. I do appreciate each and every one of you here. And I do challenge you this week, whether you're here uh, working, being a part of Vacation Bible School, or if you're unable to be here, I do ask that you pray that the Lord bless this week of Bible school. Pray that the Lord will send out the young people. Pray that the Lord will enable us as we teach the kids, we interact with the kids, we preach to the kids, that the Lord will enable us to have the message that needs to be proclaimed and that the Lord will work for us. And Brother Andrew will be doing our opening skits all week long. I don't know if you remember a couple years ago when we did the time machine was our theme and we had the mad scientist that rode the motorcycle through the church house. I don't know if you remember that guy. That was Andrew. Drew. Uh, He'll be doing our opening skits for us again this year and does a tremendous job looking forward to all that will be happening there. And you're always welcome. You're always welcome if you're a part of the church and you're like I don't have any kids. You're always welcome to come be a part uh, of the service if you want to come. The service, the main closing service, will be at eight fifteen. You're welcome to come be a part of that service. Uh, the opening ceremony will be about six thirty. You can come be a part of that. You can come just watch and see what God is doing. So if you have a free day and you want to just come watch Vacation Bible School, you're more than welcome to do that. And just pray that God will bless. So we're going to dismiss in a word of prayer. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to say that if you could gather in the tent at 12.15, that'll give you a few minutes to get your jacket and your Bible. Maybe you can come up to the uh, table here, say hello to Andrew and Anna, and then make your way to the tent. And at 12.15, that gives you about 10 minutes, at 12.15 we will have a prayer of dedication in the tent. I promise that's all I'm going to do is pray, okay? I won't preach to you or anything. We're just going to have a prayer of dedication over the tent, and then we will uh, be able to go home. Father, thank you for this Thank you for your goodness. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity that we have, Lord, to be in your house. I thank you, Lord, for the message that Brother Andrew brought this morning. Challenging us, Lord, you have invited us to be a part of your work. And Father, I pray that, Lord, we will take that opportunity. And Lord, that we will fulfill the plan that you have. And Lord, that we will come to you and seek your face. That, Lord, we might tap in to the power. And Lord, that we will see you work this week in a way that we've never seen before. Thank you, dear Lord, for your goodness. Bless us throughout this day, and Father, we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You are dismissed.